today for Mo Better Bands, I've got my friends Trey and Scott, and these folks are two of the band director team at Crawl Junction Schools, which has now, their team has kind of expanded to four people. And one of the things that I've really admired about how Trey and Scott run their program, and there's quite a few things to admire because you guys really have a really great program down there. But you always seem to work really well as a team and you do a nice job of onboarding your new folks. And I don't know how, what your philosophy is or how that works so well, but sometimes when I see other teams, I see them maybe not function quite as well, not communicate quite as well. They sometimes even not even just get along quite as well. And so I wanted to talk to you both today to sort of uh, learn how you do it, especially that you, you two have been there for, for quite a while now. Scott, how long have you been at Carl? This will be my 19th year. Holy cow. I can't believe it's been that long. Okay. And Trey, how long have you been there? I just finished my eighth year. So I'm starting my ninth year. And then you have two new people starting this year as well. They're not necessarily new educators, but they're new to your district. Chase Neely doing a percussion and whatever else you guys have assigned. And then uh, Samantha Whitmore, who'd been at Joplin South. Scott, go through some of your philosophy about working as a team and how you view your team members. You know, I would, I've been very fortunate, you know, on top of the 19 years at, at Carl Junction. I mean, I was at Web City for five years. I had my own gig in a little bitty town up in Southwestern Nebraska for four years before that. So I kind of was on my own and then I was an assistant director for 15 years and then got promoted up to the director of band. So being able to work with some really fine directors and staff at web. And then of course the other directors I've had at CJ in all my years, you know, you kind of glean from those experiences and kind of go, okay, if I'm in charge, those are things I want to do and other things that I, you know, like, mm, I don't think I'd do it that way. And the biggest part for me, like with staff is and our school set up this way too. They mandate that, I don't know if mandate's the right word, but they want each teacher to have their own class. So it's like, you know, Chase coming in as a percussionist can't just be a percussion teacher and be an assistant director and not have his own class. He has to actually be a head teacher in a class. And that's one of the main points I like is that each staff member has to have ownership in the program somewhere. Um, I know some programs are set up where the head director does everything and the assistant just goes along and helps wherever possible. So when I took over, I really wanted to set up to be going, you know, like, for example, Trey came in right as I took the head position, thankfully he did, but like, I knew he was really strong in jazz. So it's like, Hey, you want to do jazz one? I'll do jazz two. And then, you know, we were able to delegate out to jazz three or the junior high jazz band, all that kind of stuff too. So you take it, you assess what you have staff wise and then plug them into the strengths. So there's areas that Trey is definitely stronger at than I'm not and vice versa. And we've been able to build on each other because of that and grow. And then we've done the same thing, you know, with Micah that we've had the last, you know, six years and all the assistants we've had through the years that, you know, just be able to go, okay, what are you really good at? What are you comfortable with? Let's start plugging you in there and really develop an opportunity for them to flourish as staff, because if they flourish, so are kids. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's difficult to delegate when I mean, especially like a, Scott, in your case, you have so much experience, right? I mean, you've taught the, all these classes and have a lot of experience and it's very likely or possible that like when you delegated jazz one to trade in the very beginning, you could have probably done a better job than him because you had more experience or you may have done a better job. You know, I don't know, maybe he just came in and just killed it from the beginning, but oftentimes like, because you've got more experience, 
you're better at it up front and it can be hard to pass the reins over to someone else, even though that's really the only way they're ever going to sort of grow and get the experience to do it. Is that something that you've noticed as you've delegated? Not really. I mean, my, my innate thing is I want to trust people. I always try to look for the good in people more so than negative. And, you know, the older I am, the more experienced I am in life, the harder that is. <laughs> uh, there are definitely some people in the world that, that will prove that statement wrong. Um, but I'm always looking for the good people and, and again, give that opportunity for somebody to grow. And so I'm a, I was going to trust. That was when I took the head position, the, the principals were like, listen, you're teaching young adults and you are a professional or we're going to treat you as such. And that stuck with me. And I'm like, I'm doing that with my staff. You know, I want to make sure that I treat them like professionals. I'm going to trust them that if Trey's doing jazz one, that he's going to give his best effort for it. And if not, then I go through and be like, okay, these are steps we can do. And yeah, I mean, there are times where it's like, I wouldn't do it the same way as Trey would. Trey would do it the same way I would, but that's okay. You know, I want him to be comfortable with who he is. And there's times that we sit and talk and like, Hey, have you thought about doing this or whatever? And it's like, oh, cool. And then other times I hadn't thought of that. I'm not sure I like it, you know, and it, and we just have that dialogue, you know, Trey, I just built this, this relationship and friendship, a mutual respect. And I want to carry that on when we had Micah here and. I want to make sure that, you know, Sam and Chase are set up the same way too. Mm -hmm. Trey, what was that experience like when you were given, cause you had taught for a few years in Kansas, if I recall. Yeah, I taught for six years at the middle school in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and I was more or less on my own. I had a little bit of help from the high school directors over just a couple of the years. It was, they didn't, it, it wasn't the same setup that we had in Carl Junction. So, right. Uh, but so coming into that and yeah, cause Scott had said, he goes, well, listen, you know, you've played in jazz groups your whole time. This is something you should do. Even though I had not taught any jazz band by that point in my life, Scott trusted me to do that. And I've gotten better at it over the years, even, you know, I felt like when I first got in, like, I didn't know anything about the rhythm section and we had a really, we had a really good drummer when we started. And I was just, I was like, he was kind of teaching me almost in a way too. Sometimes just like, well, okay, that's fine. But this is how it's normally done. I'm like, Okay, you know better than I do. So, mm -hmm. uh, so it's been nice being able to to have a safe place in which to learn. Really, yeah. So that's been nice. It's interesting you mentioned the, the trust, or you know, Scott mentions trust that you know, sort of trusting the team member to do their best effort and like work to continue to grow, recognizing that like they're going to develop and improve. And Scott, you've mentioned specifically that over your career. As an assistant, you found some things that you've thought like, well, I wouldn't do it that way. And then, and even as Trey has done it, you've had those thoughts and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong ways. It's just, you know, you, you would think to do it a different way. And I think it's wise to recognize like none of us are going to do our jobs perfectly. And that, you know, there's always another way to, to do something or to try to do something. And so sometimes just because we wouldn't do it that way, doesn't make it wrong. It just may not be like the right way for us, but it can be, but that trust not only can extend to our team members, but also even our students and Trey, that's kind of what you were mentioning, like in the rhythm section, like needing yeah. to, to, needing to sort of lean on those folks who, who know far more about what's involved at that point in your career and playing jazz drums and things like that. Then, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And putting that trust on into the students, you know, our, our marching band stuff is so much student led things that like. 
I mean, I remember when I first got there, you know, we were having to do a bunch when it came to like on a game night when we're trying to get everyone into uniforms and all of this. And it was just so hectic. And I was like, oh, it was just, it was like a dread of the first football game. But, you know, our team kind of finally got the student leadership in place where they were doing everything on their own. And now when games come to be, you know, we have people that take care of getting gloves to students and uh, that take care of any uniform mishaps. And so very little of it comes directly to us. And so like game nights are very stress-free and like really enjoyable. So, cause it's just the kids getting to, to show off what they've worked on so hard and it's not all the little nitty gritty things. Cause we have students that are willing to take that on. And it's nice to see that. It's, the episode I did with Rob Babel from Fort Zubwalt, he talked about student-based leadership and you can just get so much more done when the, the students are engaged and involved. And I remember once I was working with, I think it was a, actually a marketing company, but the guy is also just sort of a sharp business guy. And he was talking about an idea that he had. And I would just told him like, man, I just, I don't really have time to, to do that. And he was like, well, you know, maybe you don't, but there's a bunch of people that work in your company. They can do it. And I'm like, I. I just think everyone's really busy. He's like, I assure you, they're not as busy as you think. You just need to trust them to do it. And then I've, you know, found at the beginning, sometimes it was hard for me to relinquish that trust, but I've always been pretty good at delegating, probably because I'm somewhat lazy. So <laughs> I don't mind sharing it around a little bit. And truthfully speaking, I, I like to see my people shine and do well and get invested in stuff too. And because like, as you guys have mentioned, people have invested in me and allowed me a chance to try and do things. That's how I got right and today and certainly made mistakes along the way. But yeah, getting your, getting not only your team involved, but students involved to be part of that leadership team can certainly make this job far more, not only far more doable and less of a burden, but also just better. And you get, I think, overall better engagement when the students are involved in the program instead of being educated to and served to, if they're also participating in that process. I think it makes for a healthier program that gets more done and with less direct constant input from the directors. Yep. Yeah. On the kids, I mean, when the kids get ownership of it too, I mean, that's a lot of the success we have in our program is their input. They'll come up with going, Hey, you know, we saw this, can we add this into the show? I mean, it fosters them not just being, you know, servant leadership, but they just invest in stuff and they get creative with things or they come in going, you know, a concert band, Hey, we hear this song. Is there something we can do? And it's like, Sometimes yes, sometimes that's really, really crazy hard. No, <laughs> you know, whatever, but, but I mean, it starts with that. I'm not, you know, Trey Price that with jazz bands, like, Hey, what about this tune and things like that? I mean, so they really, they start getting invested into it too, which is exactly what you want. You know, you want them to have some creative power too. Yeah. So when delegating to our staff members, because obviously there's, as we work with our, with the paid professional staff, there's maybe there's more expectations and, and more responsibilities that get sent over to them. But when delegating to those folks, what do those conversations look like? So if you're going to delegate a class to someone kind of walk through, maybe from both ends, you know, Scott, how you've done it, Trey, how you've, how you've been on the other end of that, like, what do those conversations look like? Um, so it's kind of fun, especially with hiring two staff this spring, unexpectedly glad to add staff or whatever, but it's one of those things that really try to figure out what their strengths are. And, you know, we lost Micah, you know, he's, he took a job towards Kansas City to be up there, which is great. But he was, he was kind of like training me where we were so much alike that we're jack of all trades and could do a lot of stuff. And so then with Chase and Sam, they, they have different experiences. So we kind of had to split and divide and conquer with those two to kind of take 
all the stuff that Michael was doing. So I was just kind of sitting down going, what age group do you really like? You know, and we're fortunate that Sam is like, she's like, I want, I like the younger grades. And Chase is like, well, I'd rather have a little bit older grades. So we're able to divide and go, okay, sixth, seventh grade, go there. And then eighth grade, you know, could go to Chase, Sam could take the younger grades. And so basically what that means is all the administrative stuff will go towards those people. So they can plan, you know, kind of what the week is going to look like. So normally we're lucky to have sectionals quite often. And so that person can delegate, go, okay, these days we're going to do full band rehearsals. These days we're going to do sectionals. And at that point we can split and divide out during those full band sessions. Do you want us in there? Do you want us not in there? Whatever, you know, to get those added things or. Hey, I'll do full band, but can we take out the trumpet section for something or trombones for something or percussion, take them out for something, you know, just divided conquer. So really the, the person in charge of that class can really help delegate the structure. And then we almost flip-flop where I'm almost more the assistant at the junior high level for them. Even though I'm running the program, I, I kind of oversee everything and, you know, obviously handle the budget stuff and whatever, and all the administrative stuff, anything that comes down, will go through me first. Any administrators that typically come to me and then I have to filter it through, but, but the, just allow them to teach. And then I want to help them. However, because again, it's all about the kids being successful. Ray, when you've been, had, when you've had classes delegated to you, like jazz one or any other class, what's your process at that point? Like, what do you, what, what did you do next once you had, all right, I want you to take over jazz one. Like what were some of the first things you did to sort of take ownership of that class and to try to make that successful? Well, I mean, coming into a program that I didn't, I just coming from a different state, I didn't know as well as I could have probably, I needed to gauge my level of players. So, you know, I, finding music selections that were appropriate for the group. You know, I didn't, I, I think I on my very first day, I handed out in the mood. I was like, let's figure this, let's figure this out. And like saxophones are like, well, this is really hard. I'm like, okay. I mean, <laughs> just don't play it. I was, you're still going to play it, but <laughs> right. But so it's just trying to find my strengths for that because uh, like when I took over a symphonic band, um, I think prior to me coming there, there was Scott and Lord. Lauren had split that group. And so they kind of half, they, they each did half of it. And I was like, well, I, I, I wanted the whole class to myself and, and Lauren was okay with that. So I, so in doing, doing that and again, finding, finding literature, I think that's, that's like almost the most important part of, of a group is just finding what fits them the best. And then Let's see, was that? Oh no. That can often be tricky to do too, especially when you're new teaching. Like, you know, you don't have a lot of exposure to literature. And oftentimes, you know, people that become band directors came from good, large band programs where, you know, like when you were up in the Kansas City area, like you probably weren't paying a lot of attention to, you know, appropriate literature for the second band in high school and stuff exactly. like that. So that just takes experience. Yeah. Actually, when I started, I was in charge of seventh grade, eighth grade and symphonic band and jazz one. I don't, I only had a 20 minute planning period through the day. It was a, the first year was stressful. I think I was just not, I was not willing to say no to anything. Cause I was, was like, no, oh, it'd be fine. Cause I had come off of a year, the, my last year in Pittsburgh, I ended up having like three hours of plan time due to some weird scheduling things. And I was just bored. And so I was 
totally just ready to shed that. And, but then after a, a year of doing that, I was like, okay, maybe we could do this differently. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so we split, and then, so yeah, we would split things differently again. And then I think the year after that, we hired Micah, so it all changed again. So I've kind of floated around various things. The last couple of years, I've done sixth grade band as well and been like the, the administrator of that group. So I think I've been in charge of pretty much everything except for marching band and wind ensemble at some point in time. Yeah. Yeah. But I know when Belinda started teaching her first year, she was at a small program in Northern Oklahoma and that second year she joined the team at Quita and the guys that were there, Jerry West and Tim Branch, just really good band directors, good program there. And it was really great for a second year teacher to be able to be an assistant and, you know, a quality program like that. And I think her first year, or maybe it was just the first semester, I'd ask her, but she's out cleaning the pool. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to stop her because she's, uh, she's being productive right now. But I think she didn't have any classes. She just like kind of helped with everyone. But then pretty quickly, they assigned the, the beginning brass over to her. And then after that, she started kind of having her own classes as well. And it's a great way to kind of get, in her case, she didn't have much experience as, as a director. So, you know, kind of giving her sort of no responsibility in the beginning, other than just getting acclimated and helping out here and there, but pretty quickly, you know, by the next semester, giving her something to own really helped a lot. And then they, they did a nice job too, of offering her feedback and suggestions. And I kind of want to talk about that next. So, you know, as we delegate right. something. Sometimes, especially if someone's new or maybe doesn't have as much experience or doesn't know our culture or our program or students as well, there may be times where some helpful suggestions are due. Any tips from either of you on how to have some of those conversations of, you know, when you think something could be one of your, one of your fellow teachers could be doing something in a different way, or maybe in a way that might have a better outcome. Yeah. I'll, st let me start with that one. Sure. I, I was kind of a hothead coming into in my younger years. And so the, we, Scott had several conversations with me my first and second year, just like, Hey, you can't do that. <laughs> like, you know, you're gonna lose the respect of the kids here pretty soon. And so I've just over the years have just slowly, but surely become more tame. And, um, Scott's, as he said earlier, looking for the good in people, he's like, so good at that, that it's ridiculous. Just like when I even even when I stop and think about it, I know I'm, I'm like trying to think like, okay, how would Scott handle this? And I like, he just, he just comes up with ways that I can't, I can't come up with it. It's, I wish I could, but um, just, he's, he's, he's always willing to give the benefit of the doubt, you know, and, and it might not be the case that, that they needed the benefit of the doubt, but he always starts with that. And the students respect him a lot because of that. I I know that they see that and a lot of kids really love him because that it's always, like, hey, they could just be having a bad day, like, just let them go. Uh, so anyway, so we, we had conversations about that. And I learned a lot of like classroom management techniques that prevent a lot of behaviors from happening that would cause me to get riled up. So and they were not like, you know, you need to do it this way. This is the way it should be done. It's just kind of like, hey, you know, here's what I've been noticing. Here's some things I think might be helpful. So all of those things were just, I mean, they've made me a better teacher. So I mean, being on a staff is just you get to learn from the other people that you work with. You know, I learned stuff from Lauren when she was there. I learned stuff from Micah. I expect to learn things from Samantha and from Chase as well. So it's, I, I just, yeah, I really appreciate that as that being a part of a team. Yeah. And again, another point of that too, is, I mean, making sure, uh, I mean, I've been a part of staffs and, and I've, I've heard horror stories of, you know, in front of the kids 
conflicts happening. And that's like, that doesn't need to happen. We're, we're lucky. I trade are lucky that we eat lunch together every day. I mean, we, we're just together all the time and, um, and still like each other too. It's really good. <laughs> but, but, but we have those conversations and also with that, I mean, the more you're together, the more you bond. I mean, there could be things that happen. Like I can tell physical language, you know, and he probably can with me of what bothers us, you know, or, or whatever. And, and that way it's like, you know, by that physical language, the kids may not even totally get it, but he and I know each other well enough. That's like, okay, I need to go a different direction here or back off or whatever and vice versa and those type of things. And so the more you get, you know, with your staff and can hang out and just talk and those things and get lucky, we're able to do lunch. All four of us will be able to eat lunch together every day. And, you know, that's just a downtime. I mean, there's times that we're not even, you know, not always just talking about school stuff. We'll just, Hey, I saw this funny video. Let's watch this. And, you know, and just everybody laugh and, and just have some good time and talk about family and what's going on. And just, you know, we spend enough time together as band directors, you become family outside of your own family. And I want to make sure that the staff always feels that way. You mentioned about, you know, get, when we give correction to, you know, when, when possible, in many cases it is probably depends on like, you know, the level or intensity of it, but not doing it in front of students. And I think there's times where there's some things you could say, like, you know, Hey, Mr. Waddell, I, I think maybe instead of that, we could do this or whatever. And there's sometimes there's like easy stuff like that, but there's other times where it's like, there's more of a problem and doing it in private is uh, right. Not like, uh, you're wrong about this situation. You need to fix it now. Like that's, I've, we've, I've never had that happen to me while I've been, been here. So yeah, like I, yeah, that probably wouldn't take that well. So <laughs> yeah, there's the old adage of praise in public and, and criticize in private. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's so important. And I, I have heard and or seen teams where sometimes that criticism is happening in front of ensembles and it's so destructive to morale and culture and trust, uh, that when that happens and unfortunately probably the type of band director that would, um, you know correct someone negatively in front of students is probably not the type of person that would listen to this podcast. <laughs> but if somehow you are, just remember like that kind of stuff really does need to be handled in private. Talk to me a little bit more if you have like, if there's like a real problem, like not just a suggestion, not just a, but like, you know, you've got a team member and there's a problem. Maybe they're showing up late. Maybe they're not being prepared. Like, you know, there's just something that that's going to affect their career even, and certainly their success in your program at your district. How do you, have you all handled that? Um, luckily we've never had a major issue. So, you know, I, I think it goes back to just one-on-one -on -one, I'll sit down and talk to that individual and it'd be like, Hey, I'm starting to notice these trends or starting to notice this behavior or whatever's going on. And, you know, the kids are noticing it. And before it gets to a point that, you know, parents and administrators, you know, all that kind of stuff, it's like. We need to handle this. We need to probably approach this differently. And, and then sometimes, I mean, there are times that, I mean, it could be just a staff thing. So try and keep it within one-on-one -on -one situation or within a staff thing that just, you know, what goes on behind the office door stays behind the office door and, and hopefully get it fixed or empty that way. Yeah, really what you're talking about is like, and, and, and Trey mentioned this earlier about you, you see the best in people, but you're also kind of look out for your people and, and having these types of conversations, if you care for a coworker, you care for their success or whatever, like 
helping them to avoid, you know, a, a major problem is a way to demonstrate that care and concern. And sometimes I think it's, I find it can be difficult to have those conversations. I sometimes have to do that with our team members too, but ever since I've had the mindset of like, well, I want to have this conversation so that they know that this is negatively affecting my opinion of them or negatively affecting their job performance or their future here at our company. I owe it to them to make sure that they know. I feel like it makes it a lot easier when it's done from the point of care and not so much just like scolding. <laughs> and we'll say like, and Scott's been responsible for this, not me, but we've had, we've had a number of student teachers over the years. And so when, if there's something in a student teacher that like, those are usually one on one on conversations with Scott, you know, he's just like, Hey, you guys just need to maybe steer clear for a little bit. We're going to talk about some things. And honestly, he's had those with you know, half of our student teachers at some point, just like, here's some things you need to work on. And just, just so they don't feel like they're getting ganged up on in that kind yeah. of way. It's just like an individual like, conversation. And cause as you know, with a student teacher, your, I mean, your goal for them is to be a good teacher in the long run. And so, so I know, I, I know that Scott's had some of those conversations and again, I've not been present for them, but I assume that that's probably how they go. Just like, Hey, if you, if you want this to be a, a good thing, like here, here's some steps you need to take to make that, to make that work for you. Yeah. I think that's such an important part of working with folks is to not only praise them or do when they're doing things right, but you know, you've also got to work on that other end and telling them the areas that need to be improved or shored up. I mean, I think that's, that's really a, an important piece of it. I know even in my, when I was student teaching, you know, my director doing the same thing, he would tell me things I was doing well, but then tell me the things where like, Hey, you, you really can't do that. Or you can't abuse that, or you need to be on time, or you need to show more respect to this person or whatever. And that kind of corrective feedback is almost frankly, more important sometimes <laughs> than, than the praise. And some of the things were things like I was aware of and just was trying to see, I guess, to what I could get away with. But there was a lot of other things that I was completely unaware of it, that it was being perceived that way or that it was a problem until he brought it up. And, you know, I remain grateful anytime people will tell me whether it's a problem. So, yeah. Scott, you also, Trey had mentioned how you, you often look for the good in people and giving them the benefit of the doubt on situations. And I think that's such an important thing. I think there's so many times when there's a lack of information, such as you know, trying to examine someone's motives for why they did something, maybe in a way that uh, you would not have done, or maybe even a way that had a negative outcome. Well, we don't have all the, the information of like what was going through that person's head or what all the other circumstances are. Sometimes we write our own story to why they did that bad thing. And that story is often sort of the worst case scenario. You know, if, if my wife is 30 minutes late from when we're supposed to be, I'm, I'm worried that like something terrible is wrong, you know, happened to her. And the reality is, you know, it's always something innocuous or just got late leaving school or something like that, but she's not in a car wreck or, you know, something like that. But so kind of like giving the benefit of the doubt, I think is really important. Where does that come from? And suggestions maybe for people who maybe that's not a natural skill. Us, honestly, it's my faith. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, I believe in God and I believe God created us. It has created us in his good image, even though not everybody follows that and that's okay. That's their choice, but that's where I kind of believe in that to start with. But then, you know, I just have that innate thing. I think it's my parents said the same thing. They just, they always wanted to help people, uh, always get somebody in a better situation where they were. And so I think it's just been ingrained in me since, you know, I was young 
And I do, I just want people to succeed. I want them to be valued. I want them to have my respect. I know I can't give respect if I don't give respect. So that's where it starts. Just kind of who I am personality wise. You know, if you're not that way, especially I think COVID taught us that. I mean, it's, you know, that, you know, some of their family may have got sick or, you know, they lost a grandparent or a close relation to COVID or something like that. And so they're coming in with this down attitude, you know, when you don't know why, uh, mm-hmm. or they're rebelling, you know, and it's like, man, that's not normally your personality. What's going on with you? And finally they'll be like, Hey, well, this is what's going on at home. Oh, you know, or, you know, maybe parents are fighting and splitting or, you know, they're an alcoholic family or whatever, drug abuse, whatever the case might be. Um, you know, we just don't know what goes on, but I've always wanted to make the band room a safe place for the kids to be and to realize, Hey, this is community. This is kind of family. We spend a lot of time together and I want them to be safe to where they come in and, and be a part of the community and learn how to actually be community where they may not have that role model at home. Yeah. Yeah. The final thing that I could think about is I wanted, you guys just recently have hired two new team members. One is uh, replacing someone who's leaving and then someone who's just new because you've grown to add a new position. So I'm sure in addition to the standard stuff of kind of the, you know, qualifications and the type of person you're looking for experience, so on and so forth. But talk to me about how you look for someone who would be a cultural fit and maybe tell me a little bit what kind of what that cultural fit means to you. Maybe that means also what it is and what it isn't. That's a great question. <laughs> I think a lot of this, I mean, first and foremost, they, they want to be a team player. They, they have to understand that we're just a blue collar town. I mean, we're not going to be, uh, we're not a BOA elite, you know, type marching band, but we're going to be really good at what we do, but we have a really good culture, just hardworking, good kids. So somebody who has, you know, pretty good ethic on, on their life, that they maybe understands family, things like that, but they really want to be a part of a team culture. They're not power hungry on stuff. You know, they can, when you talk to other people, how do they, how do they talk about that person? You know, how are they viewed by people around them and the other staff people that they've worked with in the past? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, sometimes when I'm looking you know, when we were looking through applicants and stuff like that, and part of it is almost, you know, just because we do spend so much time together that like people that you think it'll be easy to be friends with, like, really, like, I know, like both when Samantha and Chase came in for their, their thing, like their interviews, you're just like, oh, I can see spending a lot of time with these people and it being like an enjoyable experience. Like it just, Mm -hmm. it just great. And Micah was the same way when he came in for his interview, just like just down to earth guy, like gonna we're just going to teach some band together and it's going to be a good time. So I know that, that I find that personally important just that I can be friends with these people that I work with. Certainly is nice when you have that kind of click, you know, we think in our company where we've got around a hundred employees, maybe a little bit more. And so when, when you get that number, like there's, uh, I'm certainly, we, I couldn't be friends with everyone that works, works there. And, and I'm sure there's people that don't want to be friends with me. But what we do try to look for is uh, a few like common things. Like we look for people that can ac- accept our communication style, which involves, you know, giving correction as needed. But the big thing that we're looking for is people that can kind of get excited about our purpose and mission 
and I don't mean like lofty mission statements, but I mean like what it is we're trying to do. Like, this is what we're trying to do as our business. This is what the projects that we're working on. This is the kind of company we're trying to be. And people that hear that and get excited about it tend to be a better cultural fit for us than people that aren't. And so, yeah, I think we've had similar. And then every once in a while you get those folks where you just like, there's that, that the mesh where it also just clicks. Like you're like, oh, they, these become friends. And in a smaller team of, you know, four people, you've got a, a better shot of, of kind of working out those friendships than if you're having to hire for a large team, but certainly having everyone be able to buy into your purpose of what you're trying to do with your band program is in my experience or your business or anything else you've got is certainly key. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean our office is the, is smaller than a bedroom and all four of us are in there with our desks. So like, <laughs> it's, it's just important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, like our backs are facing each other for some of the time, but like, we're still there. <laughs> and our billing office and stuff where the repair shop is at and everything else, the office that has marketing and IT purchasing and like various accounting and stuff like that, it's essentially an open office and it's, it's not really big. I would say it's the, it's an open space. that's roughly the size of maybe two or three offices, you know, so it's kind of small. Yeah. And so when we hire people for that, we... There is a bit of like trying to make sure they sort of get along, but even saying, thinking that, like, I think of the people that sit in, in those chairs, like there's just all different types of personalities. And, but I do think that they're all kind of bought into what we're doing. And there's a genuine, res genuine respect for each other that even though some of our personality types are vastly different because of that respect and appreciation, I, I feel like 90 plus percent of the time we all get along pretty well. <laughs> well that's, and that's where like, I mean. You know, we've, we've had a long run of success at, at Carl Junction and again, it's like your company, there's a lot of good things going on. So when you add somebody new in, I mean, that's kind of the process of the interview is going, all right, we have certain, certain things in play that we, we do and we do really well, but let's add your flavor into this, you know? So it's not like my way or the highway. This is the, this is the ritual this is what we do. It is, Hey, this is the path we've been on, but it was, you know. I added this stuff when I came on, you know, and, and, and all the other directors that we've had through there over the you know last you know, almost 20 years have, have added so much flavor to the program. And we've been able to just take that and at least stay on the same path and just add flavor to it. Yeah. Makes it better. Yeah, it does. Well, this has been really great. I think there's been so much great stuff here and, and good things for folks that are on teams to be kind of focused at as we start to not quite ready to get back to work, but I know some folks will be soon. You guys are starting camps as well here pretty soon. I appreciate you both taking the time to share it. Like I said, I think you all have long done a great job of building teamwork. And there's just seemed to be from the outside, looking in a general ad admiration and respect for each of your coworkers over the years. And even as I talk with each of you individually, I hear you talk highly of your coworkers. So I appreciate you guys taking the time to share that with us today. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity.